Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III. Welcome to 2023. Yes, I'm not going to do the whole Happy New Year thing because, I mean, we already passed that. But it's happy to be back for another year rocking with you guys. I'm here with the super producer, Jake Christie. How you doing, sir? You know, it's a new year, same me. Uh, that could either be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Well, uh, the listeners can decide. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, I just want to say that we are on the road to Quantum Mania. So while we're on the road to Quantum Mania, you should check out our Patreon and join that traveling circus. Patreon.com slash MC University Pod, where you could get not only into the Discord and have fun chats with us, but the bonus content that we do. Right now we're doing the Fast and the Furious series. Mm-hmm. Tokyo Drift is coming up with a special guest, which you you will find out soon enough. And I will tell you, because I promised, one of the things I promised when we did the new tiers, that the $8 tier will get special announcements. I'm going to, as we're typing, I'm going to let the people in the $8 tier know who the guest is for that episode, so they have a little extra information. So that's that's what you get, among other things, if you do the $8 tier. Well, and, and there you go. So not only you get that, you get the subscriber mailbags that we do every month. And also, I do a show with patrons that uh, we'll we'll be resuming soon called Good Beef, where I talk to patrons about whatever they want to talk about. So, the reason why we are here today is considering that 2023 just started, and it's going to be a little bit before we get any real MCU content, as February 17th, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania is coming. But we got a little while then, so I figured it's a good time to speculate and think about like what's coming up this year what's what interests us what's the what our excitement levels is the best way to describe what we're going to do here today so there are seven projects confirmed for 2023 so far there's a couple of other ones that i'll mention at the end of this just in case they may come out or not we'll see but yeah we wanted to gauge our interest level from worst to first so, Jake, without further ado, I'll start with your list. When you go, when you think of the thing that you're least interested in, what, what project are you talking about? I feel bad, um, but the answer is what if. Um, <laughs> just because, a couple reasons. One, because I think that it was definitely the worst of the series that already exist. And just that, I it just, it doesn't you know, push any of my specific buttons as, and so it already is at that disadvantage being an animated series. Um, but yeah, it's my least, but that's not to say I'm not excited. Like the thing is it's the Marvel stuff. Like I wouldn't do this show. If there was really anything Marvel could put out that I straight up would be not excited about, I wouldn't do the show. So, um, how about you? What's your last? Well, yeah, I would definitely, I was, I'm definitely in agreement with you. What if, uh, season two, I just personally hope that some of the stories are a little bit more ambitious Mm -hmm. is I think the best way that I would describe it. I felt for something that in the comics, I felt really branched out in the scope of what you can do with different Marvel characters and putting them in different situations. I feel like it was a bit simplistic Mm -hmm. at, at best and in some other ways comedic. At, at worst, but not for this show, as it as it helped out in, in certain uh, aspects yeah. as content is concerned. So I think that won't, regardless of how it goes, like Jake said, love Marvel stuff anyway. So it's going to be fun to dive into. But I'm not expecting a lot 
to mm-hmm. be honest with you. So I'm just going to kind of go with the flow and Mm-mm. see what comes out. And if I'm pleasantly surprised, I'll, I'll be pleasantly surprised. So it's just, yeah. just to see what's happening there. It's, it's just like it's a fun thing to have, especially given that, like, obviously for the average person, there's a shit ton of Marvel content and it can be hard to keep up. But when you're us and we're doing the show on a regular basis, frankly, any week where there's something new is a, is good for us. And so, like, <laughs> I'm happy to talk about it. And as you mentioned, some of our best moments as a show came yeah. from what if. <laughs> so, like, I do. I will always like it for that. Um, would you like me to go to the voicemails? Because I mentioned earlier we have two. Yes, yes, go ahead. So we have a positive one and a negative one. I'm glad that we had one to balance out because... Of course, anyone who's on the Discord knows that there was a certain person who cut a promo for their negative one. Um, but here's our positive one from the new patron two times in a row with voicemails, Summer. Really holding on, making the other patrons and other fans look bad, if I'm being honest. So this is Summer. This is her. Really bro- she brought it the first time. Hey, guys. It's Summer. Uh, I'm pretty much looking forward to just another great year of Marvel. But because I'm sure it won't get much love, I will gladly be your resident What If Warrior um really looking forward to season two it's it's the fanfic lover in me that like enjoys this kind of stuff um, other stuff we know i really do want to see the gamora episode finally um scarlet witch is speaking this season and hopefully she gets a full episode so whatever wanda is up to i'm into um and looking forward to hella as well i'm glad we're getting more of her because uh, definitely supporting fictional women's rights and wrongs over here um I'm hoping for some Shang-Chi. Would love to see more of the Black Widow family. But as always, I'm a consumer with an open mind and lucky for Marvel and open wallet. Um, And last but not least, (laughs) until I have to ultimately root for the Avengers again, Kang Gang, we up. Wow. Yeah. Summer, you're awesome. Honestly, just just incredible jokes. Just great jokes, great asides. Um, Honestly, the, the, the flow is crazy like she, yeah. she's just bringing it off the bat i just love the open wallet is just perfect it's a great line it's a great it's, oh. it's a great line i mean she's yeah she she right she's all of us basically exactly um and, and so for a different perspective we have caleb landmesser giving his take on what if hi guys caleb landmesser here i will keep this relatively short <laughs> fuck what if it is the worst piece of content the MCU has put out, possibly the worst Marvel content to ever grace the public. Uh, it's worse than the live action Captain America of the 90s. Uh, it is something that makes Thor the Dark World look like Goodfellas. Um, it is actively doing more to dissuade me from partaking in superhero animation than anything else on the planet. Watching that is where I'd rather go get a root canal. I'd rather have a dentist drill into the middle of my teeth than to have to watch one more second of somebody who's not Robert Downey Jr. talk as Iron Man or to see Vision just murk everybody. But yet it's still anticlimactic for some reason. It's the worst show. Um, it's the worst content when it got renewed for a second season, that might've been the worst day of my 2022. So love you guys. Hope you're doing well. Have a great 2023. Okay. I, some great bars. Also, I will say Mm -hmm. there's no way it's worse than the captain America from the nineties. That's just a dumb thing to say. Uh, Yeah. I, I find that, I find that a little tough. Also, 
dog, if that's the worst thing to happen to you in 2022, shit, you had a good 20, you got yeah. a good ass 2022. Good year. Uh, you know, he had to bring it. Uh, and so, yeah, but that's what if. It's at the yeah, bottom, to what if. To. yeah, it gets a lot of yeah. shit. And I think that it's understandable given what it is. It's very different than everything else Marvel does. But, you know, I'm glad we had summer to hold it down and to give us the, po- the very positive perspective. Yes, yes. <laughs> the what if warrior. <laughs> Salute to that line, too. So, Jake, let's hit your hit. What's next on your list? What you got? My next one, and this is mostly because we know so little about it, is Ironheart. Um, okay. I really like the character of Riri Williams in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, but there wasn't enough of her to put her above some of the other things on this list. So I'm, ex- I'm, I'm open to this jumping up when we get more information. But right now, all we have kind of is just general casting announcements and like a vague sense of the themes and so it's not gonna have to work that hard to get me on board because like i said i think Reed williams is a very winning character but when you have to make a ranking things have to go in an order and so it's my second to last mm. all right so i actually have iron heart slightly higher mm-hmm. uh i actually it's su- surprising as i i went through this but um i have the marvels here uh, i have the marvels in this spot and it's not necessarily like I'm not excited for it per se, because I think there's some interesting stuff considering how Miss Marvel ended with her and Captain Marvel switching places. What does that mean? Is that is that an interdimensional type thing? Is that an incursion mm-hmm. type event because of their powers? I think that's a fair question to ask. Nick Fury's in it, so I'm always interested to see what happens then. We get to see Monica again, all those things. But at the also at the same time. I'm very curious, especially after reevaluating how I, I felt about Captain Marvel, the film, and seeing how Carol's story will translate. And I guess I, I would say like I'm intrigued, but also at the same time, like I feel like I don't have I don't have like a great amount of expectations per se. Like I'm not going into it thinking it's not like some of the things that are higher on this yeah. list where a lot of my, a lot of the wheels are turning for me in terms of storyline mm-hmm. and where does it go and what does it mean and stuff yeah. like that. I feel like for this, it's kind of cool and simmering down. And I think in the way that you speak to the whole Ironheart situation, it's kind of how I feel with this. Mm-hmm. Is if we get a little bit more info of what it may look like, mm-hmm. yeah, then it might pique my interest a little bit more. And the Marvels is next for me, and we'll come back to Ironheart because I want to hear your thoughts, but. Yeah, the thing I think about the Marvels is that while I don't necessarily think it will be, I think of all the projects next year, it has the highest potential to be like a disaster. And I don't mean that because of anything specific. I think that there is just a lot of stuff in the air, and I yeah. think that I think that there's a lot of expectations, positive and negative, around the Carol character. Most of the negative ones, completely unwarranted. And I think that there is a chance that there might be too many things going on. And because we don't really know what the, like, it is just the one, the other ones I'm safe, pretty certain. I'm like, this will be at the very worst. Okay. And like the Marvels is the one that I'm like, it, it could be bad. And once again, I don't think it's going to be, but like, I just am nervous. Cause there's just, 
it has to do a lot. And I also think there's going to be, the unfortunate thing is even if it's really good, there's going to be discourse that it's bad. And so like, I, I'm nervous. It's the only one I would say I'm straight up nervous about, although I really want it to be good. Cause I really like all three characters involved. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about Ironheart. What, what had it, uh, is it just above the Marvels for you? It is. And I think the thing that stands out to me when I think about what this may look like is one, the cast, the cast around, around uh, Dominique Thorne is really fascinating. Like Anthony Ramos and, and um, Alden and uh, who else they got, they got, and obviously the big thing that we, we've heard, we talked about it uh, about Mm -hmm. a month or two ago. Again, Sasha Baron Cohen allegedly as mm-hmm. Mephisto. Like, all of that. And then, so, consider this. Iron Man in the comics was one of those was one of those things that had... Yes, it, it dealt with the whole armor wars of it all and, and tech and stuff like that. But also, the Mandarin was Iron Man's main villain. And mm-hmm. that was a more mystical type of yeah. character. What it seems like, based off of the character, the hood that the Anthony Ramos is playing, and if Mephisto is in this, that there is a mystical element to Ironheart. So what, where that fits in and why they decided to go in that direction intrigues me a lot. So yes. when you add that element as far as that, plus the cast itself seemingly thinking that they can make something really good... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued and yeah I think like you when it comes to Wakanda Forever and Riri's first appearance it was one of those things like you like the character mm-hmm. it seems like something that could work but you definitely want to see more and what that will look like in its own in her own yeah. setting but and this is where I also think that the cast will help that mm-hmm. aspect of things story wise because all you need if you get a good story with something like this and yeah. then add this particular cast in it then you got something really cooking. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so we do a voicemail about Ironheart. It was sent in by Cecilia Stokes, you know, great friend of the show, but she actually has a guest with her, and uh, I'm just gonna press play and listen. <laughs> Rosa, what was your? Which one are you most looking forward to? Ironheart. Ironheart? Why are you so excited for Ironheart? Because um, she was my favorite character from Wakanda Forever. Yeah? Why oh. did you like her so much? Because she had um, a very, very cute suit. A very cute suit? Yeah, and it had two hearts on it. You liked the heart part? Yeah. Hey, that rhymed. Yeah, it did. Um, what else did you like about her? I liked that she had the blue eyes. She doesn't have blue eyes. No, the, the Oh, suit. on the suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. And then I thought she was funny. What did you think? She was very, very, very funny. Very, very, very funny. I thought she was funny, too. So Ironheart's one you're most excited about? Yeah. All right. Say, love you, Marvel Cinematic University podcast. Can you say that for me? Marvel University. (laughs) 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 Marvel University. Cinematic University. Cinematic University podcast. What do you have to say to them? 
No, you don't know. Okay. <laughs> Bye. That was he's just that, you can't beat it. That's adorable. I have to say, who says that this podcast can't be wholesome? Yes, yeah, sometimes we may get some vision penis talk, but also I, I would we say, may get some adorable kids. I would say How about that? our strength is that we might be crass sometimes, but we always have our heart in the right place. That I think is the important thing about our podcast is that we are never cynical and we're never, you know, mean spirited. We're always and this was honestly Cecilia messaged that with like you don't have to use this if you don't want to, and I'm like, that would be like handing you know me like a brick of gold and being like you don't need to you know turn this into cash. A salute to Cecilia. That's just yes. a wonderful and salute wonderful to Rosa for the great. T- I mean, great t- oh yes, she was she Rosa. was right about the eyes. Cecilia pff, yes. doesn't know anything. Did she even see the movie? Rosa was eagle eyed on those blue eyes. Um, but yeah, honestly. I think that uh, both that is both very cute, but I also think that um, the thing, the reason why the show I'm not that worried about it is that even though the character didn't pop so much that I'm like, oh my god, I need to see the next thing she's in immediately. The character popped enough where I'm not, I'm not like, why are they making an Ironheart show? It's like, oh no, she definitely feels like she could carry her own show. Exactly. Yes, yes, for sure. And so we'll move to what's next on your list. What you got? Uh, I toyed between three and four for this the most of any of them, but my number four is a secret invasion. Ah, same here for me. So we can yeah. talk about it at the same time. It's just it's gonna the the genre it's playing in is something I love. I love spy stuff. I love I, I and I love th- this type of sci-fi. I like very ground. I like grounded sci-fi. Although I do obviously like ungrounded sci-fi, but I like sci-fi when it interacts with real structures in the world. And I especially like, and this is a very specific thing, when sci-fi interacts with like suit and tie business and politics and things like that. Cause I just think it's just, it's so fun to imagine like how would government or, you know, Fortune 500 companies function if some of the aliens that shapeshifted existed. Like that actually is just something that I find very interesting. And so in fact, you got Samuel Jackson, you got Ben Mendelsohn, you got Dermot Mulroney, you got Amelia Clark, you got Olivia Coleman. It's just like a stacked cast. And like, I don't know. It it kind of is like it's not obviously this isn't gonna be the end of it. This is not um I imagine there's gonna be bigger stuff for them going forward. But this is kind of answering the promise of what the scrolls when the scrolls were first introduced in Captain Marvel. Like this is kind of what we're looking for. Like when is there gonna be a thing where there's gonna be the who the hell is a scroll who's not a scroll? Because they kind of there are a couple elements of that in Captain Marvel, but that's not really what the movie's about. This is really about what would it be like if you could never tell if someone was an alien or not. Yes. Yes, and yeah, that whole secret invasion element, as a big comic proponent of it, that by itself, how they choose to adapt this, interests me. I do agree with you in the sense that using this paranoia thriller type genre for this, I think is going to work out pretty well. I love the idea of Fury walking into a situation that he has no idea what's going on. Mm. And he has the least amount of information. We're also supposed to meet his wife in this series. So that's another element. You bring something a little bit more familial as he kind of tries to figure out and hold on to whatever is happening. Also, we got Everett Ross in this, in this, as we saw in the, tra- in the first trailer. So there's, there's a lot of things going on. I, I, I'm just fascinated at, what characters they choose to use in terms of the actual Marvel uh, playbook and and where that where that might be a thing, and yes, the the literal 
who's a scroll and who's not a scroll when that when that happens i'm sure that those will be some of the touchstone moments of the show so i'm 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 excited for that in that sense and as an overall story i want to see what's the story with um amelia clark's mm-hmm. character what's that's going to look like for her um talos so in a lot of instances like first he was played up as more there was a lot of comedic elements yeah. which was which was pretty good i want to see what happens mm-hmm. when it seems like he's up against yeah. something a, a more of an antagonistic type of yeah. thing so that's where overall i feel like i'm i'm excited whenever this comes out we'll definitely be all over this and there's a there's a certain zeal for this that when it does come like i'll be all over it and i think the thing about it it just seems to have like a pedigree just because of how stacked the cast is um mm-hmm. like it's funny that she was basically unknown to americans like five years ago but olivia coleman has three oscar nominations one win and she should have, might get a fourth one this year it's she's kind of borderline and like so she went from being like someone who i'd recognized from like an episode of doctor who to being someone where you're like holy shit how did they get her and so i'm excited to see what she's doing because like she's just capable of you know incredible stuff you know and i think the acting is going to be important in this one because while there obviously will be effects or whatever the fact that the leader of the show is samuel jackson who's a man in his 70s means that a lot of it is going to be people talking and people look looking at each other and it's going to be like it feels like this show will be the most about the acting as anything and that is what's exciting to me um i love the big battles but i think that whenever you're dealing with things that are cosmic and crazy i think you 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 can lose sight of how wild a conversation with someone would be if aliens existed you know what i mean like you don't need the space battles would be crazy but it would be crazy too just to talk to someone if the aliens were real and so yeah there's a lot of stuff i'm very excited about this the reason it's not higher for me is because like there is a chance it 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 could kind of just be boring honestly and that's kind of like the risk with this one Mm -hmm. um but i i fingers crossed it's not yeah, I yeah. The reason why I have this fourth is I just think there are there are are emotional interests that are higher for me in the other things yeah. that we'll get to shortly, and there's also just like legitimate like oh I I have been waiting for this yeah, for yeah, a yeah. while we know <laughs> so and we'll we'll get to that shortly. But uh, what do you have at number three? Uh, appropriately, I have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Yeah, we met. I mean, we spent too much time together. I also feel like this is a pretty yes. generally consensus, not fully consensus, but like the vibe. Um, but yeah, I mean, Guardians 3 is going to rule, and this actually has less to do with Guardians 3 and more to do with the other ones that are ahead of it. I, that's not number one. Um, the trailer was dope. I love the Guardians. The holiday special got me more excited for it. I don't know. I, I want you to talk more before I steal any of your points. Sure. Uh, I think just uh, from an emotional standpoint this does feel like there is a finality to this version of the team as we know it so knowing that going in there is a little bit of an added uh an added need to feel the need to watch it and a little bit more tension when you go into the theater because i'm already thinking about what that's what that feeling is going to be like that's the thing with mcu movies when you know it's going to be a one one that has incredible stakes attached to it you do walk in with a different air and it does feel different to you as you get ready to watch it. So that this is James, the fact that this is James Gunn's swan song here, I'm interested to see what he, how he tried to execute the story. There are a lot of interesting plot lines, the Gamora thing, how that, how they work that, that intrigues me on its own. 
And the fact that we're going to Rocket's kind of origin story, which I think is cool because he's one of the best characters in the MCU, if you really think about it. So I think if anybody kind of deserves a little bit of a spotlight, it's him. And who would have who who would have thought that we would have said that about a talking raccoon? But here we yeah, are. Yeah, everyone knows how I feel about Rock Raccoon. Um, and I'm just excited. <laughs> and the thing I like I, I, that interests me too about it, from like a meta standpoint, that people will complain, and they complained a lot after Infinity War, because that like the stakes are kind of sometimes cut down because you know that like you know that. Peter Parker is not going to be gone forever. They're going to have to bring it back, right? Because Tom, one, Tom Holland is under contract. They're making other movies, et cetera, et cetera, right? Right. The thing that is actually just interesting about the Guardians is that there are, it's pretty clear that, like, Batista doesn't want to keep playing this role. Uh, Zoe Saldana has complained on another article, <laughs> another article from him. Zoe Saldana has complained on multiple occasions that she doesn't like that she's stuck in franchises. Chris Pratt, you know, he I think he likes playing Star Lord generally, but clearly he has interest beyond this. And mm-hmm. Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper, it's not like they're eating, like, they, they, this is all gravy for them. So, like, it's any of these, genuinely, any of these characters could die, and I wouldn't be surprised. The only one. I almost would say that the one that would be least likely to die would be like Nebula, because I think Karen Gillan genuinely loves being in the MCU. Yeah, she <laughs> like, does. She's she the one. Like she the does. thing about the Guardians <laughs> actors is, I feel like the Guardians actors are the ones who are like least in like the family of the MCU. Obviously, because they're separate characters in a lot of right. ways. But it also feels like, like I said, Karen Gillan is the only one that, if you sometimes are up late at night, will watch like the. MCU actors giving interviews, chaotic edition or whatever. I I, I have weaknesses too, guys. Karen Gillan is the only <laughs> real member of the Guardians cast that will appear in those so frequently. Chris Pratt in his boring talking about the MCU. Batista is generally dismissive. Zoe Saldana's clearly never watched any of them. So like any of them really could die because it doesn't feel like they'd be that torn up about it. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, the more that you talk about it that way, it also makes it wonder, like, what was the de- what is the decision that James Gunn decided to yeah. do with these characters? That once we get to that place, that'll be interesting to talk about after the fact. But, but yeah, it's you love this team, you love what we've seen so far. So it'll be it, to get them together fully again, at least one more time, is is uh, very exciting. So I'm gonna guess that you have Loki season two. Um, up yes, next, I as I do, yeah. um, I will let you go first. I have a lot to say. So about this. Loki season one rules. It's great, and the, the way they left it off was great. Um, great cliffhanger, and like, holy shit, did Tom Hiddleston completely turn around the character of Loki? He made it interesting, and I think, as I said, as I said a lot on the show, the reason it's interesting is because he actually like. After episode one, it was pretty clear he was a good guy, and like they didn't do the thing that every single thing with like a bad guy turning good where like they pretend five hours in like is he gonna go bad again it's like no we're watching a show where he's a star he's not gonna go bad again they didn't do that and that was in my opinion the, the thing that made loki not bad because it was constantly like is he gonna do-? no whatever and so now that we have a series where he's i think gonna be good the whole time and i think that he's actually really interesting as a reformed bad guy like that's actually the most interesting way yes. his character is you got that you have his new dynamic with mobius whatever that's going to be and you have i'm going to put my flag down when the show premieres it will be starring academy award winner for best supporting actor kihei kwan i'm putting my flag down he's definitely going to get nominated i'm predicting <laughs> he's going to win the for best supporting actor which for the record if you told me at after i saw everything everywhere at all at once i would have 
honestly kissed you. Could I be so excited? Um, but no matter what, <laughs> they're adding dynamite members to the cast. The show rules. Uh, yeah. It, what, what do you have to say? I, I'm appreciative that you mentioned like right off the bat, the stuff about Loki's character again. I mean, if anybody's listened to this show, you've heard me talk about how episode one kind of influenced my whole thought process on this series. And this is, we're not even getting into the he who remains part of it. This is just the Loki mm-hmm. part. The character became introspective in a way that it never was to that point. And the fact that they allowed the character to be that way added so many layers, so many layers. So you talk about the whole, like, we know that in this instance that he was not going to go bad. But it was so interesting watching, and I rewatched this again, how He Who Remains was just tugging Mm -hmm. on Sylvie. Like, do you trust him? Can can you trust Mm -hmm. him? Knowing that those particular choices were going to be made and the idea of Sylvie betraying him at the end and how does Loki deal with that aspect? How does Sylvie deal with her choice? And that's another part of this. Their relationship, I don't think anybody could have expected when we were watching this show that their relationship would be something that we would, like, basically, there would be conversations about it on the internet, Mm -hmm. and also that we would be that invested, in a sense, to see where does it go from Mm -hmm. here. And and that I would be publicly saying that, yes, I understand they're variants of another, but it would be, I would be fine if they kissed. I said that publicly, and I'll say it again publicly, I don't care. Anyone who employs me ever is not going to listen this far to this podcast. (laughs) And... And yes, I agree with you. I think I think it's it, I think it was wonderful that we got that kiss and and the fact that she betrayed him after mm. it was just like, ooh, that the facial expressions of Hiddleston there after that happened as he's as he's sitting wondering what just happened to him was just oh, chef's kiss fingers. So many good performances across the board in this show. The story itself at what the whole time element of it now that Kang is around, what does that mean? Uh, when do we see Kang? Mm-hmm. How much of Kang do we see? Uh, Mobius, Hunter B fifteen, and also a big a big part of this, Ravona, mm-hmm. as as we know in the books, she does have a big relationship with Kang, and they haven't met mm-hmm. yet in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So hoping that that happens, wait, wait, wait. so then we could kind of see who plays Ravona. What is that? Is it Gugu? <laughs> Salute to Gugu. I'm excited to see more from her. And yes, that that relationship, what is that going to look like? Because it may play a part into what the what the whole Kang story will continue to be as this this story evolves. And, you know, you mentioned it. There's there's a it's a really good cast. And then again, uh, Owen Wilson, Mobius, the Mobius Loki Mm. tag team buddy cop stuff is going to be back to a degree so anytime you could get any of that i also hope that we get to see the lokis that we saw in Mm -hmm. episode five that would be fun to see a bunch of them again that would be cool as well yeah i you between and this is not even me mentioning kang take kang Mm -hmm. out the story for like a little bit this show was Mm -hmm. it this was the thing that hit and it hit more than probably almost any other thing did you could make the argument for wandavision sure but no loki was the one Loki was definitely yeah. the one. It was the most so, complete show, and it yes. it just like it it just was doing stuff that that 
it, it justified its own existence so immediately. Um, and I think mm-hmm. you, t- you talked earlier about how they had to be more introspective than he was before. I would argue they had to be more introspective than any character in the MCU was before. Because yeah. the thing about superheroes is that they're so much about their iconography and their persona. And I think that Loki was so much about how about our reluctance subconsciously to change from what we know to be our persona, even if we actually want to, that it was so clear that Loki was a bad guy and pretty quickly into like Thor, he had doubts about being a bad guy, but he's like, well, I'm a bad guy. So I have to keep being a bad guy. This is of course also the plot of the 2012 film Wreck-It Ralph. And so we got to see him investigate that. And then Sylvie was like, the alternate path of what is it if you like if you don't make that progress and i know i'm just rehashing stuff we said on the loki show but i guess what i'm just saying is that like the fact that all that stuff is still unresolved give me season two (laughs) yeah i think leaving it the way that they did was really great and i think that there are a lot of potential good stories you can get out of this and then also you have to ask yourself how much longer is Hiddleston yeah. going to play this character and when will, when will we be mm-hmm. saying goodbye so the, I, I, th- I think that as you as you think about the fact that when originally this show was announced mm-hmm. we all universally were like did we mm-hmm. need this and the fact that it turned out the way that it did says mm-hmm. something about not only the performances but also the writing the directing and everything yep. that was involved um, we have a different director mm-hmm. this time for season two. Kate Heron is, is is not on on the project anymore. But uh, we'll, either way, we we got some stuff cooking with Loki. Mm-hmm. So whenever it comes, whether spring, mm-hmm. summer, whatever, we will definitely be all over that bad boy. And then finally, um, you know, we don't have to spend too much time on it because we're going to be spending more time yeah. on this next week. Yeah. Uh, because because um, it, during the national championship game, there will be mm-hmm. a new trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. Mania. But this is number one yeah. on my list. This is number one on your list. Jake, why is this number one? On it just, list? Kang is a big reason for me, because I love Kang as a character. I love Jonathan Majors. Um, obviously, I don't talk about it as much because, you know, if you're decent at basketball, but LeBron is on your team, you pass it to LeBron and you are the LeBron of talking about Kang. So I don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for that. I love Ant Man, and I think that they're just—it is a new frontier for the MCU, and it is so clear that they're putting a lot of stuff into this, and it's going to be a big deal. It's going to set up a lot, but beyond it setting up a lot, it's going to just introduce a lot. And I am just mm-hmm. fascinated to see what the quantum realm is. Like, even though we have bits and pieces, we've seen imagery. It's really not clear the how it's going to be, like what the rules of it are, who, who yeah. what, how. And there's so many questions I want the answers to. And I think that it is kind of perfect to have it come through in an Ant-Man movie because I think that that's also how I know that, like, I'm not worried about it not also being fun. And so, like, I think that they're they're kind of introducing us to a lot of like the crazier stuff that's going to go on but they're you know covering the pill in you know sugar by giving it an anime movie and i think that that and also by having it like even though scott obviously knows much more about quantum stuff than he used to 
I also think it's going to be really fun to see it through his eyes. Because there's almost nothing worse than a sci-fi movie when there's no one who doesn't understand what's going on. Like, that's just like, what the hell are you watching? So, yeah, I'm just excited to see it. Because <laughs> I, also, I think the Ant-Man movies are great. And uh, Paul Rudd is great as Ant-Man. And when he stops playing Ant-Man, I will be sad. Uh, I agree with you on that front. I think that the choice to put Ant-Man uh, first and foremost against Kang when it, when we see why that is mm-hmm. and and the story choice there um i'm i will be very excited to talk about however they choose to explain that because i think to put this in a lot of ways this underdog mm-hmm. against this incredible force of nature that this uh this might as well just call him a time warrior or a stephanie williams uh friend of the show uh messy time yeah bitch. What, i mean that's what he uh, is it, it, I I want to see what that what that looks like overall. Um, also, Scott's kind of family mm-hmm. life has always been been some of the softer mm-hmm. spots in the MCU. So to kind of see Cassie a little bit grown mm-hmm. up and wanting to do her own thing, where does that go? Uh, Hope, Jan, Hank, that whole that whole group. What's that going to look like for them? And yeah, you mentioned the quantum realm. Yeah, we need to know the rules. What is it? What is the time situation? What is the multiverse aspect of things that, as we saw in the first trailer, would which would seem like multiple Ant Mans and stuff like that? What does that mm-hmm. all of those things look like? And then, of course, yes, yes, you can't listen. Mm-hmm. Kang is a thing. Kang's going to be a thing, and the the motivation of what he wants and why he wants it. Why is he mm-hmm. there? Because it's clear that he's in the quantum realm. Why is he particularly there? Is it is it a situation where he needs something mm-hmm. to get out? Is he trapped? Is is he trying to build something? What's the scheme? What's the plan? I'm ready to find out all of those things and watch Jonathan Majors uh, deliver bars mm-hmm. in all of his lines as yeah. one would expect. Yeah. So I believe someone in you know, our we'll uh, mention yes. said that uh, Ant Man was going to get folded like a lawn chair. <laughs> um, but we do have a take on it and i was actually very interested surprised to get this email one of my best friends in the world if not my best friend in the world uh skylar who i went to high school with who i still talk with all the time he watches some of the mcu movies and he had a question about not a question but like a comment which i actually think goes to an interesting thing about how quantum mania will be received generally because it's a thing that i also have noticed mm-hmm. and i think that it's a genuinely an interesting point from someone who is not as into this as we are Hey, long-time listener, first-time caller. I uh, just wanted to get off this take I had about Quantumania. I don't follow the Marvel Cinematic Universe as much as I probably should. However, I feel like this movie, and I know the last Spider-Man as well, was amazing. I feel like these movies kind of just happen because somebody does something stupid in the movie, it opens up this whole new universe of things that shouldn't happen, and then they have to pretty much solve that problem. And then that's it. Like, I don't know why they keep doing these stupid things that activate all these other things. See, I I actually think that that is an interesting thing that I have noticed and has been a hang-up for me in some of the comic book movies I don't like. And while I think it will be fine in Quantumania, I'm curious what your thoughts about the consistent thing that happens a lot in the comics themselves, where... Yeah. The villains would not really exist if not for the heroes. How do you how do you think that that's a sustainable thing to do? Uh It's interesting thinking about this because this was talked a lot about and because you yeah. mentioned Spider-Man No Way Home. And 
Well, the thing is here, it depends on if you feel like the hero actually learns a lesson yeah. in the movie. And a lot of times it doesn't feel like they do. Now, I think in No Way Home, yeah. Peter Parker learned yeah. the lesson. Because you see him at the end where he's all gung-ho ready to mm-hmm. tell his identity. And then he's like, eh. I guess these people might be better off without me. Now, whether that's true or not is one thing or another, and that's left to interpretation, but the character is forced to think about it after the choices that he made, got his aunt killed, and basically opened up a Mm -hmm. whole uh, other dimension of, of, you know, I I actually think the better example of where it doesn't work in the MCU is Ultron, um, because, like, they destroy a fucking country, and it was just because of a man's hubris, and, like, he kind of learns a lesson. Um, the thing that I, my my general hang up with it and why I don't always like it, as, I mean, it is never my first joy choice. And the reason is because the thing to me that makes superheroes compelling is that they see a building on fire and decide that because they have a cape, they're going to run into it. And it's just actually less interesting to me from their motivation standpoint if the reason why they're running into the building is because they set the fire and they feel bad about it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's actually just like, the thing that makes Spider-Man an interesting hero, not once again, I love No Way Home, but it's my favorite of the three Spider-Man movies, is mm-hmm. that he want he's always trying to do the right thing. But like the reason he does the right thing, quote unquote, in No Way Home is because he caused the mess. Like I think it's actually just more interesting in yeah. Homecoming where he sees a guy doing something bad and he's like, I gotta fix it, right? And so that's why I think that like I wanna keep a limit to the amount that are like that are causing it. Because it's like, okay, are you a hero if all you're doing is just fixing the things that you messed up? And this is not like a large problem, but the fact that this is a take from someone who doesn't watch all of them, I I thought was an interesting thing to engage with. It's reasonable. It's reasonable on its face. Actually, like when you think about what Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania is going to look like. So Kang knows Mm -hmm. all and sees all he's gone through all of these time uh, things and seen outcomes Mm -hmm that he kind of already knows so is it going to be an instance of where he knows yeah. that this mistake is going to be made that allows mm. him to do this and it's almost like set up yeah. for for that that's where yes. it gets that's where the whole and that's what intrigues people about kang is because we're talking about not just somebody who's gonna beat mm-hmm. the crap out of you this is somebody who thinks 300 mm-hmm. steps ahead of you and this, and that's where the variable, as opposed to somebody like Thanos, who's this, this uh, foreboding, mm-hmm. powerful presence. This person is powerful mm-hmm. in mind and and resolute in the way mm-hmm. that he wants to get things done. So, if that's going to be the case, that's where that whole hero makes the mistake thing might have a different outlook. Yeah. And, and I also, it's not actually clear how much of the plot, how much of Kang is being caused by, it, it could just be the possibility that they get sucked into the quantum realm and that Kang was already doing bad stuff already. Yeah. But just thought, it, honestly, it was an interesting voice belt to get and I appreciate you, Skylar, for yeah. sending it in. Um, but yeah, I mean, Quantum Mania, number one for both of us. Um, obviously, it helps that it's also the one we have the most visual and stuff on, but it also is the yes. one that Kang's introduced, so I think it'd probably be number one no matter what. Yes, yes. And yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. A couple other projects that we do not know, we don't have confirmation as of yet. There's a chance we may get Echo at mm-hmm. the end of the year or at the beginning of 2024. Um, the other thing that I keep hearing about is the Agatha show, because the Agatha show is going to actually, I think it's already kicked off filming. So 
um whether they decide to do that or in this at the end of this year 2024 is anybody's guess but those are the couple mm-hmm. that you keep hearing about uh towards mm-hmm. the back end of the year just to give project updates um everybody i know who's excited for daredevil mm-hmm. daredevil starts filming next month in new york city and we'll be filming for the yeah. rest of the year <laughs> february to december so we'll get daredevil probably sometime next spring or summer so that would be very exciting. Uh, Wonder mm-hmm. Man is supposed to be filming later in this uh, this summer as well. So that th- that when we have when we know more about that show, I'm actually excited mm-hmm. to talk about that because it seems like at least from the outset that they're going to be doing some interesting things with the whole Hollywood aspect of mm-hmm. uh, superheroing in the in the MCU. So yeah, that that'll be fascinating to see. But yeah, 2023. This is what the MCU mm-hmm. is going to look like. This is what it's going to give us. Three films at least uh, four shows and we'll see where it navigates uh jake let me let me entertain you at least for a, a minute or two before we go here because there was a there was a story oh, in course, variety yeah. yesterday about a one about uh, mm-hmm. one dwayne the rock johnson who we who in our last episode mm-hmm. we talked about that whole situation with uh dc and 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 that it is amazing if you read the details of this story in variety of how he tried mm-hmm. to go around all of the people in Warner Brothers to get Black mm-hmm. Adam and Superman to kind of be the tentpole thing in the DCU to no avail, of course, because it's so funny that they were DC execs were done with Henry Cavill mm-hmm. and Dwayne Johnson was like, oh, I'm going to just try yeah. and go around and get him in there and stuff like that. Let me let me promote my uh, tequila at the Black Adam premiere. And um, at Jake, as you always say, when it comes to these things, if your movie does not make money, then you're going to be yeah, the It is, I think, so telling to the ways that obviously Dwayne Johnson's savvy when it comes to movie making because he's been in a bunch of successful movies. But I think he's he's savvy in choosing his projects for himself and not so much like the 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 idea of the DCU becoming Henry Cavill Superman and Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam setting up for a face off is as a general idea not a bad idea but it is the idea you pitch mm-hmm. after the film Black Adam has a gigantic opening weekend not before anything has happened because you are relying on basically the promise that the movie's going to do well and so like if your movie doesn't do as well as they want, it's not just that it's bad for your movie. It's bad for your whole project because your whole project of reimagining the hierarchy of the DCU is predicated on the one movie being successful. And so it's just like a classic cart for the horse thing. He's not, I mean, that's the story of Hollywood. The amount of times that, you know, franchises were set up and then the first movie bombed, um, is is a, it's a tale as old as franchise filmmaking, but it's so stark that this was an instance of one man basically going around the architects or like the people with their hands on the wheel and trying to basically wrest control before his own movie came out. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm glad that it blew up in his face, even though I like plenty of movies he's in and I've liked, you know, his star persona in some things, but like. Honestly, just like, man, fuck you. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, come on. It, it just, if it's so, it, the hubris involved is, it, it makes me scoff. And it's really annoying. It speaks, you know, it really speaks to, and, I, and I've discussed this before. It speaks to the ego and something that he tried to 
almost kind of carry the whole wrestling thing into this. And there's a big difference when it comes to those types of things because, you know, it's easy because it's almost like you're the big fish in a smaller pond there as opposed to what Mm -hmm. Hollywood is. And at the end of the day, profit always matters first above anything. Look at what's happening. Just look at what's happening with The Flash. Just look at that. That tells you what that tells you the yeah. whole story. So if your movie doesn't make money, then it's not gonna matter your your mm. Q score or your star rating or no. any of those things. And I think this points out again, as I as I mentioned the last time we talked about this, that uh maybe maybe that whole Fast and the Furious thing might have yeah. looked a, might, that was more yeah. the rock than than anything yeah. else. So I think that I think at this point. Maybe and maybe he maybe he doesn't, but he should reevaluate how he yeah. chooses. To and he's one of the biggest stars in the world. So. And I think that it's just a matter of fact that stars do not hold nearly the same amount of power that they used to. And we can debate, you know, how, whether that's good or bad. But the thing about it is that even when stars hold, held more power, like just him being Dwayne Johnson is only carry so much cachet. And, like, him being Dwayne Johnson can get a movie greenlit. It can't get five movies greenlit. You know what I mean? Like, and so, I hope that he is humbled by this. I don't think he will be. And I hope that he considers what made the movies that he was in successful, successful. Because I think that there is a way that he is losing that. Um, And, like... Yeah, also the detail about him wanting to keep basically the whole controversy for the people who haven't read the article is that that he wanted a stand giving out his brand of tequila at the Black Adam premiere, despite the fact the Black Adam premiere was uh, PG-13, so it wasn't like 21 and over, so they they weren't supposed to be giving out alcohol because there would be no easy way to verify identification because they wouldn't be set up for that, and he insisted. And I think that that's just Mm -hmm. like... like the people who are bigger than Hollywood are like <laughs> the rich producers who bankroll everything. Dwayne Johnson is very important and powerful. He is not powerful enough. Like it's just like the guy who like is funding, you know, the whoever yeah. like the Walt Disney family. Like Bob Iger might be powerful enough to do something like that. Dwayne Johnson, like it's just levels of power, and he's just not. He he overestimated what he was. Yeah, his demands became more ludicrous each time. Was in the report from Variety and stuff like that, and and obviously his play yeah. did not work out. So we'll see what DC has in store. the The rumor mill is about that in a couple of weeks we will get first a first look at what mm-hmm. their slate will be, and uh, maybe we'll we'll be around yep. to, to talk about that a little bit when it does come out because mm-hmm. that'll be fascinating stuff. But the next time you will hear us on the main feed will be next week as the Quantum Manian trailer will come out and we'll have a live reaction. Well, not live, yeah. but recorded reaction of, of the of the events of this trailer. And yeah, we're getting closer. We're, we're about six weeks out from Quantum Mania, so it should be should be very fun. Looking forward to seeing it. And we'll be with you along the way. Jake Christie. You can follow me at the Jake Christie. And I want to let everyone know, uh, as anyone's on my Twitter can see that I'm doing another marathon live stream next Saturday, the 14th, where I will be in the the topic Mm -hmm. we're talking about. I will be saying goodbye to the DCU for charity. Um, what I'll be doing is I'll be watching the 11th theatrically released DC films in order, uh, 
which is going to take about 25 hours. Um, it'll be a live stream. Beloved guests will be like my previous 24 hour live stream. Uh, the gimmick with this one is that, mm-hmm. um, and I want people to donate beforehand because if, if before the stream starts, we have a thousand dollars in donations and oh, we're raising money for uh, mutual, sorry, mutual aid groups across the country. Um, I have a couple in a document on my Twitter, but if you find one locally, if you live in Oklahoma city and you want to donate to Oklahoma city's mutual aid, go for it. Just send me the receipt and I'll count it. Um, if we raise $1,000 before the stream, I will watch the Snyder Cut instead of the regular Justice League. And if we raise $2,000, I will watch the mm-hmm. Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition, Ultimate Edition as opposed to the regular one. Now you might be like, well, those are both better. Why? You're not really punishing yourself. And it's like, yes, I am, because that means I have to finish Black Adam around 11 a.m. the next day as opposed to like 9. And that is going to be a real nightmare. So please donate so I, you can watch me uh, try not to fall asleep during Black Adam. Um, but also donate because, you know, people are hurting, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, a wonderful thing that Jake's doing. And um, I will definitely do my best. Yeah. To you have a range. Great. It's 25 uh, to 27 hours of time. <laughs> I think, I think, I think uh, yeah, I think, I think I'll, I'll, I'll squeeze in a little bit to, to show up for, for you, Jake. And yeah, salute to you and, and hope to raise some money there for some good causes. Uh, you can also follow me on the Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod. You know the Patreon. Appreciate everybody's support. And Jake had detailed all of the changes to the Patreon. So, so hopefully, you know, if you if you're interested and and wanting to get involved, get involved, and uh, we can have a good time. This mm-hmm. is going to be a fun year of content. So we'll we'll be looking forward to talking about it all. And yeah, you got the bonus episodes too. So if you're a Patreon, this is gonna be a it's gonna be a fun mm-hmm. ride this year. Looking forward to it, and we will be back next week for Jay Christie. I'm Anthony Canton the third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>